Bookcase and Coffee presents Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. On this episode, we are reviewing Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. Um, I am joined by romance author Mindy McKinley in front of the podcast. Mindy has been a guest multiple times on the podcast, and she is also one of our Patreon supporters. Mindy is a contemporary romance author, avid reader, and cellist. She lives in the Midwest with her drummer husband and two adorable cats. In her life outside of writing, she's a music teacher, a small business owner, and a professional musician. Welcome to A Quick Shot of Romance, Mindy. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I think this is the only kind of episode you haven't done yet. I think so. Because we've done a happy hour and we did a regular... Well, you've had two. You are our only repeat guest on the podcast. I am honored. We are so excited every time we have you. You know, Leah's always like, we could talk to Mindy. I'm like, yep, we can talk to Mindy. (laughs) You can always talk to Mindy, especially in the summer. (laughs) Right? Because, you know, no students. Mindy is... Off contract. I've done saying on vac- on, um, like out of school or off work because you're not really on vacation. You're just off your contract. I appreciate so. that. Yes, this is Mindy's time. Um, <laughs> okay, so like I said, we are reviewing Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. Um, Mindy, will you read the synopsis from Goodreads for us? Absolutely. Marcus Castorup has a secret. While the world knows him as Aeneas, the star of biggest show on TV, Gods of the Gates, he's known to fanfiction readers as Book Aeneas Would Never, an anonymous and popular poster. Marcus is able to get out of his own frustration with his character through this, his stories, especially the ones that feature the internet's favorite couple to ship, Aeneas and Lavinia. But if anyone ever found out about his online persona, he'd be fired immediately. April Whittier has her own secrets. A hardcore Lavinia fan, she's hidden from her fan fiction and cosplay hobby from her real life for years, but not anymore. When she decides to post her latest Lavinia creation on Twitter, her photo goes viral. Trolls and supporters alike are commenting on her plus size take, but when Marcus, one half of her OTP, sees her pick and asks her out on a date despite her critics, she realizes life is really stranger than fan fiction. Even though their first date is a disaster, Marcus quickly realizes that he wants much more from April than a one-time publicity stunt. And when he discovers that she's actually unapologetic Lavinia Stan, his closest fandom friend, he has one more huge secret to hide from her. With love and Marcus's career on the line, can the two of them stop hiding once and for all, or will a match made in fandom end up prematurely canceled? So this was released October 6th of 2020. Uh, the tropes are real body heroine, Hollywood romance, mistaken identity, uh, slow burn, fandom, pop culture, and there does deal with mental health and disabilities. Um, I would say this is a steam level of two, um, and it was definitely a bit of a slow burn, like yes, a lot. Um, but I think it was on fifty percent on the dot. Yeah, yeah, which you know, for me, it's a slow burn. <laughs> anything after 40 and i am you know in the realm of frustration (laughs) do it already um okay so let's just break down our thoughts now was this your first olivia day olivia dade read yes it was um i have been interested in her for a while and this is my first one yeah she writes real bodied heroines which i just love um 
I know some people like to say plus size heroines. I've started using the term real bodied heroines because I think it's a little more encompassing because I recently read a book with a woman that was dealing with uh, anorexia and she wasn't skinny because she wanted to be skinny. She was skinny because of um, emotional and mental illness. And so I feel like real body kind of gives a little bit more of a inclusive effect instead of saying plus size. So I agree. I like that. Um, so, okay, let's break this down. Uh, we, in an earlier episode, we did break down 40 love, which was also by Olivia Dade. Um, this is not part of that series. These are two different worlds. Um, they just are both by her. So just so everyone's aware, it's not a series. Um, okay. So let's start off with Marcus, Marcus Castor Rupp. Uh, he is Hollywood star on a fantasy, um, cable television show gods of the gate which is based off a series of books that deal with was it greek mythology i think is what they're yes. going for yeah um so what were your thoughts on marcus how did you feel about him i really liked marcus um generally um some of the movie star uh portrayals i've seen show actors as people who weren't really working. They're more like living life and having fun, but they actually show him worrying about roles and practicing and how he's had to train and how he's become a different person because of his role. So I appreciated that. And that that kind of also then sold his other secret that he's hiding, that he's actually smarter than he lets on. So I liked his layers. Yeah, he did. He was a very complex character. Um, I do think that this story is very much taken on the um, uh, Game of Thrones fandom feel to it. Um, and I would say Marcus's character would have been similar to like um, a Kit Harrington, a, um, you know, he was little known at the beginning of the series. And then as you get to the end of the series, he's a much bigger actor. Um and we'll get into the fandom part of it because that was, I think, a really big, I found it to be a little problematic. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think Marcus overall, for being a Hollywood star, he was really very shy. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a ton of confidence. He wasn't overly like, um, a lot of times Hollywood star leading men will have like a swagger to them. Yeah. And I don't feel like Marcus really had that swagger. He had a lot of confidence issues. Um, well, I think his, his dumb personality had the swagger, but oh, real Marcus doesn't. Yeah. Um, and yes, he, cause he has different personas. He has his persona that is the one that he puts on when he's doing interviews and conferences and kind of the good time guy, not a lot going on. Um, but when he writes in the fan fiction world and when he's himself away from his parents, um, and we'll get to the toxicity of those two people, um, <laughs> he's actually very thoughtful and quiet mm -hmm. and smart. Um, okay, so his love interest is April. She is a geologist by day. Yes. And a fan fiction writer by night, but also really into the cosplay part of the fan fiction. She's created a costume. Yes. Yeah. What were your thoughts on April? What did you think about April? 
Um, I liked April mostly. She was, um, I liked, like, she was um, real bodied. I liked that she had gone through the trauma that many people with um, body issues go through and had dealt with it and felt like she was past it. Though she would say at the beginning of the novel that she loved her body, but then sometimes she would slip throughout the the novel and, and say things like, I need to stop hiding, I need to stop hiding. And I felt like we'd already established that she didn't want to hide anymore. And so I don't know if that was in direct relationship relation to um, her being called out on the media for being overweight, but um, it felt sometimes a little bit disingenuous in, in places. Yeah. Um, I had a really hard time connecting with her and I, she frustrated me a lot. Um, kind of for the reasons you say, like at one moment she's all like, I'm done hiding. I'm putting myself out there. She tweets the picture of herself in her cosplay outfit um, out to the showrunners of the gods of the gates and knows that there's going to be trolls and haters and blocks them out and doesn't deal with them. Um, but then in other moments, like she takes the phone calls from her mother and kowtows to like her mother and is afraid to put out herself to, so in the midst of this, she changes jobs. And in her original job, she's afraid to out herself and who she is to her coworkers. And she feels like by starting this new job, she's going to out herself and be able to be more of who she wants to be. Um, and so it just, I felt like there was just a lot of internal push and pull and she lacked the confidence that I've seen in previous characters from this author. Um, so I just, I don't know. I did, I was happy when she started to find acceptance among her new coworkers. I thought that the friend side of this romance was really well done. I agree. Yeah, I'm, on know. both sides, both his friend Alex and her new work friends. Yeah, I mean, they have some kind of folk group <laughs> <laughs> barbershop quartet I don't know what they are um but you know they're quirky and weird all on their own and so she did find this level of acceptance um mm -hmm. with them which I really enjoyed that um so let, uh we talked about the friends I so I felt like so Marcus calls his friend Alex quite often throughout the book whenever he's like in a bit of a quandary because part of what happens in this uh in the book is is april tweets out this picture of her cosplay and marcus isn't going to deal with trolls anymore and he asks her out and he they slide into each other's dms and talk about how <laughs> you know um you don't really have to go we can make this a you know a non-issue mm -hmm. thing and he's like no i really want to go um i think you're beautiful and she's like okay and um when he when they're at their dinner and he realizes that she writes fan fiction also because he is not out about writing fan fiction and he calls his friend Alex for help and support mm -hmm. and um i that kind of bugs me a little bit sometimes just because i get calling your friend but he didn't have the confidence to make these choices himself he needed you know, like a buddy to back him up, to tell the truth, then. Right. I just wanted to scream, man up, dude. Well, then he also didn't follow Alex's 
recommendations most of the time. <laughs> right. So like, why did we call him? What was that? <laughs> I think um, it was just venting. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's talk about the toxic families. Cause I think this is a bigger part of the story than anyone else let on. Um, it was Marcus's parents. So Marcus has dyslexia and his parents are, were educators at a very prestigious private prep school, um, undergrade private prep school. And when Marcus was not doing well in school, his mother actually quit her teaching position and stayed home and tried to homeschool him. And Mm -hmm. they really just thought he was unteachable, like, which. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I have a problem with the, that portrayal because especially if they're at a private school, I mean, we, you know, in this book isn't old. So I mean, no. maybe if he was, maybe if he went through elementary school in the eighties, that would apply. But I think most parents and teachers by now would, especially teachers would know his issues with dyslexia. I don't, I just, yes. or have him tested or have him tested at least. Right. Like it just felt so extreme. And his mom and his dad, the way they talk to him and talk about him, they're like super self-involved. And so maybe that's how they didn't catch it. But I just can't believe that no one once said, he's telling you the letters are floating. Like his friend and co-star Alex figured it out. Yeah. It's like, this is not, I don't know. Um, as the mom of a, you know, child with learning dis- or learning issues and challenges and stuff like that, um, I really felt like his parents just were dumb. Like, yeah. And the fact that they, so one of the things that's dropped within the story is they have r- written op-ed pieces on how the TV show destroyed the books. Right. And... I don't care who you are, but you don't go after your child like that ever. Or, I mean, and it didn't go after him, but if you go through, if you go after, like, so maybe my parents don't like the school I teach at. This is just a, but they're, they're not going to, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, you just don't try to tear the scaffolding out from under your kid. Right. I mean, could you imagine your parents saying to you, I'm sorry, we don't believe in your ability to play Mozart correctly on your cello. So (laughs) therefore, we're going to write articles in magazines and newspapers about your lack of ability to play Mozart or whatever. It's like, right, really? That would be like my mom saying, well, we've decided you can't really talk and you don't know anything about romance. So I'm going to write, I'm going to write an article and tell everyone not to listen to you. What? (laughs) Parents don't do that. Don't gaslight your own kids. I didn't like them. Anyway, that's the lesson in that story. But then there is worse. There are April's mom and dad. Hot mess express there. Yes. So we'll just start with her dad. Who's a total cocksucker that needs mm-hmm. dick punched because <laughs> he is not a good person. No, he's a bag of tiny dicks. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, hmm, he probably has a tiny dick, really. That's probably the yeah. problem. 
he is so hateful. Like he just basically disconnects from April because he can't accept the size of her body. Mm -hmm. He's disappointed in her. He wants no association with her. He does not include her in family photos after she gained weight. Because, you know, all women know that as you start to age in your teen years, many girls, that's when their weight issues um, start to show. And so in her house, there is no, in her parents' home, there is no picture of her over the age of 11. Because at age 11 is when she started to gain her weight. Could you imagine? No, and what he did to her mom, um, having gained weight after she gave birth to April. She said something like losing 50 pounds in a month, which I can't imagine. Yeah, it was like really a short amount of time she had to lose all this weight just so that he would even look at her. He wouldn't touch her. He wouldn't take her out or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dude needs a dick punch for sure. Uh, uh, Several. His, but her mother isn't any really any better because her mother is so desperate for the father's acceptance that she just plays along to whatever the father says and does. And so she is constantly at April about losing weight and eating healthy and working out. And this actually turns into a bit of an issue for April's self-confidence and in her relationship with Marcus. Yes, yes, it does. And it's it kind of breaks your heart a little bit because this is a moment where Marcus's dumb persona comes out. He does not read the room very well in this instance. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> He's like, there was a problem? I, I didn't see a problem. Um, but he thought he was doing the right thing. And so this is definitely a story of miscommunication and lack of communication if they had just both had more confidence, more centered in themselves, they would have, you know, not had as many issues as they had. Well, and I think something I think I don't like about the parents so much is that I feel like these are believable sets of parents, but from a different era. I feel like these would be believable parents from the sixties. These would be believable parents from the seventies, but. Well, so in this book, Marcus is 42. Yes. And April herself is 37. So they would have been late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, they would have been born in the early 80s, mid early to mid 80s. Um, So, I mean, their parents, the parents are definitely old school. Mm -hmm. Um, So and I know that we both struggled with this piece. So let's talk about this. The biggest piece in this book outside of the relationship between Marcus and Olivia was this fanfic piece to the story um it's so heavy in the book that someone outside the realm of fan fiction might have issues grasping all of it and the terms of it and the feels of it and while i live on the outskirts of fan fiction i don't personally read fan fiction but i do have um you know my girl child is into cosplay and they talk a lot about fandom and stuff like that um it still made this story a bit stodgy for me. Yeah. Um, and I know this book was written, was not written for someone like me who has, is not in that world. I know this was um, kind of a, a nod to the people who do live in this world. Um, but um, I think it would have been better for other readers like myself who 
are totally outside this community if there was a, just a little bit less of it. Yeah, or that it was made a little bit more relatable because they do, you know, when they talk about the servers the fan fiction is hosted on, it's definitely for someone that would be comfortable in that realm that has done role playing or written mm -hmm. fan fiction stories. The average person that just knows fan fiction is someone else's take on a story. Mm -hmm. They aren't necessarily going to understand the intricacies and the ins and outs and sub servers and main stuff. And it, it really kind of weighed down the story and slowed down the story. Um, and this is not a short story. This is like 400 plus pages. Yes. So it, I, I think because it was so intense, it took away from the, their relationship, the intimacy of their relationship. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was a lot going on in this book there really was I would agree with that I also felt so in between certain chapters as they were switching points of view the script and the fan fiction interaction would happen in between they would share pieces from maybe one of the fan fiction servers or they would share scripts uh, from the different shows and stuff in between the chapters I don't think that added anything to the story. No, I probably did for people who really love fan fiction. It was probably, there was probably nods to other things and maybe, um, you know, references I don't understand. But um, yeah, for me, it was a, a skim through, make sure I'm not missing anything super because I'm interested in the story. I want to find out what's actually happening and not take a step back for a minute. It's like going outside. <laughs> during a wedding and then coming back in. Yeah. I think it kind of also disconnected you out of the intimacy building between the, between the two characters. Cause mm -hmm. we got thrown into this other realm. And I felt that same way when Marcus would text with his different, um, castmates from gods of the gate that, you know, you would have these moments, but it wasn't quite like a conversation with a friend it was this outlying issue of the story and if things were being spoilers were being leaked about this last season and it, um, I just, it kind of disconnected for me, the intricacies, you know, the intricacies of this relationship. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the purpose behind them was to show her how she fell in love with, um, Marcus's online persona so but then that kind of creates a love triangle that isn't really a love triangle but it feels like like it sometimes because she's pining also for bon is that his name b-a-w-n yeah yeah um, the um book aeneas would never book aeneas would never yeah so bon yeah um i do want to just touch briefly on this since it's a little spoilery so you know go forward 30 seconds um <laughs> So I did feel like the wish fulfillment on this story was a bit over the top and too overt. Um, I could have possibly overlooked a good looking hero, but to have him as the sexy, famous actor who also loved to write fiction, who also happened to be a feminist, it was just too much. It was too over the top. He was too perfect and it made it hard to make this HEA believable, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, him just being an actor and accepting her 
as she was in all of her nerdiness and her geekiness and all of that kind of stuff and her fan fiction and her love of the fandom, that would have been fine. That would have been just enough, but to make him a little less than perfect because he had dyslexia and a little (laughs) less, you know, a little too perfect because he also happens to write fan fiction. It just, um, became too much. So I, I think it would have been enough for him to have been a reader of fan fiction and maybe a commenter, a commenter on her, um, on her fan fiction. Um, yeah. But the fact that he wrote his own. Yeah. Well, they are, they are both multi-talented young people. <laughs> yes. Okay. So let's get down to our three questions. Um, so Mindy, did you like this book? I did. Um, I, I'm not as over on the moon about it as I'd hoped I would be. But I did enjoy it. I do think, especially if you have any connection with fandoms or cosplay or especially fan fiction, this book is definitely for you. Um, So yeah, uh, ecstatic, maybe not, but I did like it. Yeah, I thought it was, it was well-written. It's a good book. It's not my favorite Olivia Dade, um, but it was good and worth reading. Uh, Who do you think would typically like this book? Definitely romance, um, contemporary romance, like some steam. And also enjoy fanfic um, uh, and fandoms of any kind. Yeah. Um, I think this almost borders on women's fic because it is really low steam, in my opinion. Um, so really contemporary romance readers, but also the women's fiction people, I think, would enjoy the story. If you have even a slight love of the nerdiness of cosplay and the fandom and excited about different kinds of fandom, this is totally a book for you absolutely um mindy would you recommend this book i would um especially to the right people and there's a lot of great commenting about the process of writing in and of itself about beta readers and and um, brainstorming and things like that too which i think so if you're in the process of writing that also might be an interesting way to you for you to look at it yeah um i would recommend this i just would make sure the person reading it is going to understand how heavy the fan fiction piece in this story is um so as everyone knows we are currently playing summer reading challenge bingo um this book uh would qualify for bingo card one an illustrated cover bingo card one published in 2020 bingo card five this is a traditionally published author uh bingo card two couple on the cover Card number nine, third person point of view. Um, And then bingo card seven for two word title and real bodied heroine. And bingo card three, because I borrowed this from a library. All right. Right? Got to give the love to the library. Um, Okay. So that is it for this quick shot of romance. Mindy, thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you with us all summer. I think you and Leah are going to hang out next month and do a book together. So... Yes. So excited. Thank you for having me. We love having you. Uh, Until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes. 